I've titled today's uh, message, An Exilic Faith. What is an exile? An exile is an immigrant, an immigrant who is no longer in their home. Sometimes they are pushed out, sometimes they're pulled out, sometimes they desire to go out. This is what an exile is. But the main point is that for an exile, an exile is one who is far from the comforts of home. I am an exile. As uh, maybe you could tell from my accent, I come from Scotland. Uh, not really. I live in Scotland. I teach in Scotland. I've lived there for five years, but I'm from Southern California. Southern California, part of uh, Los Angeles County known as Alhambra. And if you're familiar with the area, that is the mecca of Chinese food. That is a place where you go if you want good Chinese food. Now, I've been in Toronto a few days now, and I realize there's competition for this. Because Toronto has its fair options. You know, because when you live in Edinburgh, when you live in Edinburgh, Scotland, you will not have Chinese food. <laughs> this is a fact. So if you come, come and visit me in Edinburgh. I will take you out to Chinese food. It will take two hours to drive, but we'll get there. It's in Glasgow. It's the next major city to the west. Chinese food is not an option in Edinburgh. I feel like an exile. Not only is food a problem, weather is a problem. Scotland, the UK, is not known for its good weather. In Edinburgh, it peaks. The highest point in Edinburgh is about 20 Celsius. What we're experiencing here in Toronto is a heat wave. In LA, where I'm from, 20 Celsius is about as cold as it gets. Quite a difference, I think. So for me, as a, a native of Los Angeles, as a native of Southern California, living in Edinburgh, Scotland, I long for home. I am an exile. I long for the promised land. No, no, not Israel. Los Angeles. Los Angeles is the promised land, you see. Or perhaps Toronto. There's good food here, too. But I think that many people feel like they are exiles. You don't have to be necessarily away from your hometown to feel like you're in exile. I think each day when we look at the news, when we think about the things that are happening in this world, when we think about the questions in North America of immigration, when we think about the types of conflicts that happen between different groups of people, there's this feeling that this is not home. There's this feeling that there is something that is not right about this place. And I remember, uh, we, we can remember the, the passage in Romans 8, where the Apostle Paul speaks about the whole of creation 
groaning in pains of childbirth. This feeling that this is not our land, that we are exiles who eagerly wait to go home. This passage here today is about exiles. In particular, it's about the Israelites that have been carried off from Jerusalem, from their home, to Babylon. And this passage is speaking to the Israelites, now in exile, now outside of their home. And God speaks to these people and he tells them, yes, you are in exile. But make Babylon your home. This is a radical statement that God tells the Israelites. Make this place that has carried you away, make this place your new home. Three things it says in the very beginning of this passage. In verse 5, it begins, build houses. Literally, make your home here. Two, it says, not only build houses, but plant and eat what is planted. In other words, work here. Find a home, work here. And lastly, build your family. Get married, have children, marry off your children. Now, I think about myself, okay? And I think about myself in exile in in Edinburgh. I have made my home there. We've purchased a a flat, a 19th century tenement flat in, in Edinburgh, very common there. We've made ourselves our home there. My wife and I, we have jobs there. We're taking up the work there. And we're having children. We have two children, one three-year-old and one six-year-old. But the, the passage is interesting because it says, marry off your children, right? And I think about my son, my six-year-old Benjamin, right? Six-year-old, I hear that he has a girlfriend already. I have not approved this, but I heard that he has a girlfriend. And, you know, I wonder and I think, you know, my my wife, uh, she's Canadian, and my wife is Canadian, I'm American, we've reconciled, don't worry. Um, And my wife and I, you know, we're living in, in Edinburgh, we're living in Scotland, and it has struck us recently, what if our kids get married here? What if my son, my six-year-old son today, perhaps not too soon get marries, but marries eventually, you know, a wee Scottish lass, right? He marries a Scottish girl. What does that mean? That means Scotland is our home. That means I'm not going anywhere away from that place. I am there in exile forever. No Chinese food, no good weather. You know, I am in exile forever. But what God says to the Israelites is go into exile, and as you go into exile, make your home in this place. It's a scary command that God has for the people. Make a home here, marry off your children. This is your new home. They may long, the Israelites may long to return to Jerusalem, but now you need to be comfortable and invest in this place. 
Verse 7 continues in the NIV. It says, also seek the peace and prosperity in the city to which I've carried you into exile. In the ESV, it says to seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. And this is a very important verse because not only are they to be exiles in this foreign city and that this city has no comforts of their own home and they still long to return home, God says to seek the prosperity, seek and pray for the prosperity of the land. In English, it, you know, we, we have different uh, translations here. It could be seek the welfare in ESV or seek the peace and prosperity in NIV. It's, it's, it's this idea of the shalom. This idea of flourishing. This idea that justice reigns. That society is whole. That society is complete. The Israelites are told to pursue the shalom of the city. And for each of us, I think God has created us with a desire for good in this world. That's why Romans 8 talks about this longing for something better. There's this desire for God's desire, for God's heart of shalom. But note that the Israelites are being asked to seek this shalom not of Jerusalem, but of Babylon. To seek the shalom of this foreign city that you live in. This place of exile. To seek the shalom of Edinburgh, or Toronto, or wherever. Why do we seek the shalom of this place? God explains in this verse, it is because As we seek the shalom here, that shalom is found also in us, that we are made complete in these cities. And and in Christian contexts, in the church, we're often taught and speak about, and we we sing about um, the three days of Christ's earthly ministry on the cross, crucifixion, death, and resurrection. But of course, the Gospels are much more than just the three days. They are about the three years, primarily leading up to the three days. That the three days are a punctuation mark, a full stop. The the climax of the story But what Jesus was doing in the three years of his ministry was preparing for those three days. That he was seeking the shalom of the people, of the city he was living in. That he was seeking to bring justice and flourishment and completeness to the people in the land before his death on the cross. For myself, living in Scotland, um, this passage came very, uh, very starkly to me uh, a few years ago when there was a vote that happened. And some of you may be familiar with this vote. 
in which the United Kingdom decided, voted to leave the European Union. And many people have mixed, mixed feelings about this. I have very mixed feelings about this. Um, and it was, it was very interesting because, you know, the, the, the vote happened on one day and the next day was when the results came out, right? It took, took, a, took a while for people to count all the votes. And the next day I'm getting on the bus and I, I already know the result, right? The vote is to, to leave the EU. And, and, and I, I get on the bus and I pick up the newspaper on the bus, you know, the, the newspaper they give for free. And I look at it and it says, oh, the, the, the UK decided to stay in the EU. Okay, the prediction was wrong, basically, right? They printed it before the, the results came out. But what I realized when I read that newspaper was I realized how much of a disconnect there was between what people were thinking and what people were experiencing in the UK. That no matter how a person voted, the situation was that the society was quite divided. And different people had different opinions, but the hurt that individuals were feeling was not experienced and understood by others. And so for, for myself, you know, I, I'm a person in exile. I'm a person holding a U.S. passport and having no vote in the U.K. But then I realized that actually I participate in the society in the U.K. I'm a university lecturer. But not only that, but I, I have a family, and there are people that I interact with. Do I know the hurts? Do I know the pains that people are faced with? You know, in the church, oftentimes we're very involved in the church ministry. We're involved in what's happening to make sure that the sound equipment works and the projector stays up. We work on all these things, which, which is very important and very needed, but also there's a question of what happens outside of the church. That the work that God has for the people of God and also for, uh, for us through Christ is more than just leaving this place and going to the promised land. That we are to seek the shalom of this city, that we are to seek completeness for all those around us. We are not to be focused on the things that are beyond only, but also to be driven by that calling, by that promise to bring others to know the love and the peace and the fullness in Christ. We don't have much time to go through this passage, but very quickly, if we turn our attention to verse 11, it ends with this passage, this verse, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. This is a very popular verse, of course. It's a verse we all know and perhaps have memorized. This is the number two verse, if you Google. The number one being John 3.16. This is the number two verse that is Googled today. And so it's a very popular verse. And it brings us comfort in knowing that God's got a plan. 
that when we didn't get that job we hoped for or that relationship has broken down, God has a plan. But this verse is more than just about God's plan for me as an individual, but about God's plan for me as an individual in the community and in the society around us. That God's plan involves us seeking for shalom, seeking for prosperity around us. Plans for shalom and not for harm, hope and a future. Let us pray. Father God, I give thanks to you that we are able to gather here in this place, students, academics, staff, visitors, people from all walks of life, from all parts of this world. We pray for, we pray and and lift up the feelings that we have of being in exile. The feelings that there's something not right in this place. But we pray also, Lord, for a heart that is after your heart. A heart that is after your desire to bring shalom, bring goodness to this place, but also to bring people before you. Help us and give us strength and endurance to pray for this land, pray for the people around us, but also help us to trust in your plans. Father, we, we, we lift up our lives to you, for we are ones who are unable. But it is only through you and your power that we are able. So may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Go in peace and serve the Lord.